Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for this time to gather here to hear your word proclaimed. May your spirit be among us, uplift us, and send us out. In Jesus' name, amen. I was wrong. Don't worry, it wasn't any time soon, and I haven't been wrong since. But many years ago, I was wrong. See, when I was ordained, I was 25 years old. 25, which seems like such a kid now. But 25 years old, and my average age of my members of my congregation was 73. That was older than my parents at the time. The, the people in the congregation who were closest to mine and my wife's age were in the youth group. And, and, and that is the truth. So here I am, fresh out of seminary, fully educated. And I was stepping into this place to tell them how to do stuff. Because I was a resident expert. I was the one who knew all the stuff about the Bible, about leading worship, and about running the church. Not to be fair, I probably did have a leg up on them when it came to the Bible. Uh, you know, I did go to school for that, and many of them hadn't. And if nothing else, I had all the books that told me the answers that they were asking. So that what they were okay with. Um, and then leading worship, well, you know, they had their way of doing stuff, and I had my way of doing stuff. But what I did have also was the why. I knew why we did what we did. And so whether it was my way or their way, it was important to know why we were doing it the way. And that way we could work together. So that worked out okay. But now, as for running the church, that was where, well, they just didn't realize that I knew more than they did at 25 years old. So we would sit in council meetings, and I couldn't, for the life of me, understand why they wouldn't listen. I was telling them everything they needed to know. Why weren't they listening to me? And, you know, we would sit in these council meetings. And you know what the worst part of a council meeting was? Anybody know? Treasurer's report. Oh, that was horrible. You know, until I came to Pisgah, I'd never sat through a good treasurer's report. And you should thank God every day for Hugh Caldwell, who is the best treasurer of a church in the world. Um, and just makes those reports, even if they're bad news, he makes them acceptable. But man, back then it wasn't. And so every, every time, the first thing on the agenda was a treasure report. Well, we would pray first. But then we would hear the bad news. We didn't have enough money. We weren't bringing in enough money. We didn't know what we were going to do without enough money. How were we going to get more money? Oh my goodness, what were we going to do? We were going to have to do. And you know what they said we needed to do? Cut. Cut, cut, cut. That was the general answer. And you know what my brilliant response was? Look, that's not what we're going to do because the church is not a business. I was 25 years old, so I didn't know what I was talking about. But I think they said that at seminary. Now, I don't remember if it was a professor that taught us that at seminary or it was just all of the classmates saying that to each other. That the church is not a business. I don't know that if it was a class, I can't imagine who said it because which seminary professor would actually say something so idiotic as the church is not a business. Because I can tell you this, the church that's not a business is sooner or later out of business. 
Because the reality is, just like in the business world, there's accounting that needs to be done. There's marketing that needs to be done. There's human, human relations, um, HR stuff that's got to be done. All of these things have to happen because so for the organization of the church to work. And so you can't go in and say the church isn't a business and completely ignore all the stuff out there that the business people have done for years to make their company successful. Now, I will say that cut, cut, cut still isn't the right answer, but not because the church isn't a business. It's because that's a dumb business decision to make. But you have to take what's out there and apply it to in here. But see, saying things like the church is not a business is just one more example of the way that the church has done all of us wrong. Because the reality is we have done an excellent job of making two worlds, the church world and then the world world. What goes on in here and what goes on out there. And the two things are completely separate in many of our minds. There's what we do on Sundays and then there's what we do on the rest of the week. You know, and, and a lot of that is because of we need volunteers. And so we say, you need to serve God. And so how can you serve God? Well, here are some ways. You can be an usher. You can be a crucifer. You can be an acolyte. You can serve on council. You can be a Sunday school teacher. You can sing in the choir. You can do all this stuff because this is what it means to serve God. Right? And we forget to mention the fact that serving God also happens out there. And so we live in these two worlds where we are Sunday morning servants and then we are everyday deviants the rest of the week. There's our Sunday morning selves that's all nice and polite and then there's the rest of the week where we act like total, well not like Christians should act, right? There's a separation of what goes on in here and what goes on out there. I think that's what Jesus is talking about in today's gospel reading. Now you've heard me say, I think that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, the reason I say that is because I don't really know. About five or so weeks ago, we talked about how the Prince of Peace came and said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. That was kind of weird. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus said that if you want to be my follower, you have to hate your father and your mother and sister and brother. Remember that? And that, too, was a bit strange. But this one, this is the most confusing thing not I have ever read, not just in the Bible, but anywhere ever. Does it make sense to any of you? Because if so, I have a place right here for you. Because here's how it went. Jesus tells a story about a dishonest manager. Says it up front. I'm not inferring that he's dishonest. That's his title. The dishonest manager. And so his boss said, hears that he's squandering his money. The truth is, we don't know whose money he's squandering. We don't know if it's the boss's money or his own money. But what we do know, he shouldn't be in charge of anybody's money. And so the boss says, okay, we're going to do an accounting to make sure. You know, I'm, I'm going to gain some proof here. We're going to do a little bit of an audit, if you will. And so the guy knows that he's toast and he's going to get canned. And so he's like, all right, I need to think of something to do. Because I am too weak to go dig, and I am too proud to beg. And so he comes up with an idea. He goes, I got it. I got it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make some friends, and so when the world blows up, I'm going to be just fine. 
So he goes and says, all right, how much do you owe my boss? 100 jugs of olive oil? Make it 50. And then uh, how, mu how much do you owe? 80, 80 bales of wheat? Make it 50. So he goes and he cuts the price. And then the boss comes in and he commends the dishonest manager for doing that. First of all, that doesn't make sense as a Christian and it doesn't make sense as a business person. But now, possibly what he's saying is he's cutting out his own commission. So he was marking stuff up way high so that he could make a fast buck on the side. And so when his boss came in and said, you know what, that was pretty slick. Good job. And good job making friends. But at the end of the day, what Jesus says is this. People in the business world are a lot smarter about handling their stuff than churchy people are. And you probably ought to pay attention to what they're doing. So what he's saying is, you know what? It's all well and good to be religious and do churchy things. But realize this. The real world out there, it's going to need everything you've got to further the kingdom of God. It's going to take all of your wisdom, all of the things that you learned on the streets to be able to make this move. And so what we're hearing is that God has given us everything, everything we have, not just our talents, not just what makes us special, but everything we have belongs to God. Our money, our homes, our cars, all of it, it all belongs to God. And God has loaned it to each of us to use, how, however and whenever, wherever we want. So the question is, how are we going to use it? Are we going to use it to further ourselves? Or are we going to use it to further the kingdom of God? Because since it all belongs to God, there aren't two separate worlds. There's just one world, and the whole world is God's. There's not a religious world and, and a secular world. There's not a churchy place and an unchurchy place. There's not in here and out there. It's all one world and one life. And everything that we have, everything that we've been given, is able to be used in ministry. Ministry doesn't just happen in these four walls, folks. It happens wherever you are. Wherever you go, wherever you, the people, whoever you run into, that's where ministry can happen. The church isn't a building. The church is you. And therefore, the gifts that you have, the things that you've been given... You can do ministry with anywhere and everywhere that you are. And that's what it means to, to use what you've been given. And Jesus goes on to say, those who are dishonest with little are also dishonest with much. And those who are faithful with little are also faithful with much. Well, you've been given much. You're called to be faithful with it. And so the first step to do that is you've got to look at yourselves. Just like the guy in the parable did. What, what, when he realized everything was crashing down, he took a hard look at himself and, and sort of made a checklist on what he could do. Well, I can't dig. Manual labor's kind of out. I'm much more of a desk guy. You know? And I'm too proud to beg, so that's, that's out. And so this is what I need to do. Well, in the same way, there, there's a certain way that you are. There's gifts that you have that other people don't, and there's gifts that other people have that you don't. Figure out what it is that you have that God has given to you to use in ministry. 
and then use it. It's not just something that, that sits around all week long waiting for Sunday morning to roll around. It is something for you to share your gifts, to show God's love each and every day of your life. Whether it's here in this building, in your homes, in your places of work, in your car, in Walmart, wherever you are. You have what it takes to further the kingdom of God. Use what you've been given. Share your gifts to show God's love. Amen.